Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the widely lauded Spanish horror film about a bullied girl, a long walk home, and the spiraling horror that results from it. It's Piggy. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley. And with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary. My co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Ben, I gotta say, this movie is one time where I'm actually really glad they had someone in their mid-30s play a teenager. Because I would have felt real bad about subjecting an actual teenage actress to being the lead in this movie. Yeah, yeah. This was deeply unsettling film. Absolutely. And the cinnamon roll of Cenobites, our co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm coping. Doing my best. It's all any of us can do these days. Yeah. Not being stalked by any serial killers that I know of, so, yeah. But are you in any super uncomfortable romances with any serial killers? Not that I'm aware of, but, you know, I don't know what goes on in their heads. This movie... With so many bad things executed very well. Sure. Yeah, no, this, is, this movie's real shit. This was uncut oh, okay. gems level uncomfortable. And our guest tonight, the writer of Orcs in Space and Junior Braves in the Apocalypse, Michael Tanner. Michael, what's upsetting you tonight? Oh, man. Honestly, this is going to sound really weird. So I moved away from Los Angeles almost two years ago. So I missed the hurricane. And, and the earthquake and, and the, the earthquake and the, the earthquake. hurricane and i've never been so disappointed like i'm now in hindsight because the hurricane was like oh it, 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 was, it was a lot of rain but nothing too bad happened i'm so bummed that i missed it because there is nothing better than la in the rain as far as i'm concerned and like 24 hours of rain in los angeles me missing that it just breaks my heart so that's uh that's what's uh upsetting me on this day and time I thought the rest of the gang, I was pretty sure there was a horror movie going on in L.A. because it always rains during horror movies in L.A. I think um, Nancy was was summoning the spirit. And so, so there's a beach somewhere just covered in sharks. Yeah, it's a lot of crafting going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this, we've hinted at already. Heavy, heavy uh, warnings on content in this one. There's a lot of like bullying. There's a lot of. Oh my god! Uh, just, so just many troubling visual. Um, so many of my notes were just like, "Well, content warning for workplace harassment." Like, what content warning? What content warning? Yeah, if you're not in a place where you're ready to deal with harassment and stalking and assault and yeah, all all of that stuff in in this fiction, may maybe save this one for another night. Um, yeah, you did the uh, recap on this one. Did you want to jump into that? Sure. I, I've, we've only listed Laura Garon, who is the, the star of this film. By the way, her performance. Yeah, yeah. no, she was, amazing. she was amazing. She was fantastic. The director and writer is Carlota Pereda. And, you know, there's some real, real shit in this movie. So, yeah. good job. Before it, it is based on a short that the same actress and same director also did. In, I believe, 2017 or 2018, this is the feature film version we're talking about, which was just 2023. Yeah. So in lieu of listing the rest of the cast crew, otherwise, you just, you know, go on IMDb. (laughs) 
I'll try to recap this for everyone in a way that isn't too upsetting. So we start with our protagonist, Sarah. She lives in a rural Spanish town with her family, running the most cute and appetizing butcher shop I've ever seen. I mean, that's sincerely the butcher shop is the least upsetting part of this movie. Yeah, unfortunately, Sarah's family is not so cute. Her mom is the worst, her dad only slightly better, and just about everybody in this small town bullies her because of her weight. It's San Fermin, and folks are partying, there are bulls running, one of them is lost, it's hot as hell, it's July. Sarah just wants to go swimming alone, because that's the only time she feels she can comfortably, but the Mean Girl Squad come along and bully her, Makan, Rossi, and Claudia. And they almost drown her and then proceed to take her stuff and leave her to walk home in a bikini. Fortunately, question or not, it's not fortunate. Jeff the Killer is in town and he's just about to launch his spree. Well, he's already started with a totally innocent waitress and the totally sexist lifeguard. And he decides the next targets are the meat girls. After being publicly humiliated, sunburnt, sexually assaulted and battered on her way home, Sarah encounters Jeff the killer rounding up the girls in his murder mobile. She's paralyzed with fear, but he leaves her Claudia's towel and shoes and then drives off. A comedy of errors ensues where the people of the town start finding bodies and try to figure out what happened. Sarah is further traumatized as her parents dismiss and or shame her. The cops harass her and she is further confused by the fact that the only person who ever seemed to offer her any empathy is a serial killer who is also stalking her. It's a real rough time. Sarah takes matters into her own hands and at least tries to find her phone. She sneaks out, calls her phone using her dad's phones, which she has stolen, and finds A, the missing bull from the festival, good job, but scary, two, Jeff the killer's hideout, and three, panicking parents and cops in the woods. Jeff helps Sarah escape with some very uncomfortable intimate overtures and a little packaged snack cake which he gives her with all of the tact of a cat bringing in her owner a dead rat. As suspicion closes on Sarah, she makes a deal with Pedro, the boyfriend of one of the mean girls. If people try to officially indict him, she will come forward with her story about seeing the girls at the pool. Pedro and Sarah connect as he offers her a joint with slightly more tact than a house cat offering dead animals. <laughs> um, unfortunately, everybody in this town sucks. Pedro throws Sarah to the cops when his girlfriend's parents publicly blame him. His dad beeps him for the, for the effort, so... Watch out for that one. Domestic violence is another big one in this film. More public humiliation ensues as Sarah is interrogated by police and then put on blast by her mom for stress menstruation or menstruation, as I like to call it. It is a thing. Not diminishing that in any way. Been there. For real. Sarah finally meets her limit and she starts screaming at her mom when they get home. Meanwhile, Jeff the killer has attacked her dad and intervenes when her mom tries to beat her. Uh, he then abducts Sarah, tries to back over the dudes that assaulted her, and hits the bull on the road. Sadly, the impact hasn't done much to damage him. He carries Sarah to his murder dungeon so she can, quote unquote, recover. When she wakes up in the silence of the lambs, the cell ass abandoned meat processing warehouse, she finds the surviving two of the three mean girls he abducted, and they're tied up and suspended from the ceiling. Sarah tries to free them, but Jeff interrupts her. We also, she very much finds the third one, too. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's after the small chase. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. She's dead. She finds pieces of her during the small chase that ensues. Jeff eventually catches yeah, Sarah. Yeah, but that one was, which one was that? That, that was that, Maka. Maka. That was Maka. It was that was the worst drive. one. So, yeah, yeah, like Maka, Maka had no redeeming qualities. Maka was the one actively drowning Sarah. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Maka is absolutely the worst. Nothing Swing of value roundabouts. is, look, I may be a psychopath, but horror movies have trained me to devalue human life in this. Death is coming willy-nilly. 
Yeah. And we're given such little to judge people's whole existence on. And what we are given in Makas is this is a black hole of a person who is better off not being in the world. That's something I definitely want to talk about when we discuss, because there's some stuff here. The only thing we are given to judge the lifeguard's entire existence is workplace sexual harassment. Yeah. That is that being's entire identity. I know they say, don't judge by worst moments. That is the man's only moment. Yeah, that is the feather upon which his heart is weighed, and his heart is heavy. The point I think I'm trying to make is, please don't, like, have me committed for how fucked up I sound on this podcast. And please don't sexually harass people. Yeah, don't do that Also that. Also definitely. And don't bully people. the last couple minutes of the movie. Sorry, Emily, yes. Yeah, be excellent to each other. That doesn't really come up in the movie, sadly. Okay, so as well Chase insists, Jeff catches Sarah, promises they can be king and queen killer. And he gives her the knife to kill one of her bullies, but she turns on him. They struggle. Sarah ends up stabbing him in the stomach and ripping his throat out with her teeth. It's pretty fucking metal. His gun goes off, accidentally blowing off Claudia's hand. As light fades from Jeff the killer's eyes, any sort of twisted teenage fantasy of escape with a psychopath faints, and Sarah takes a moment to lament. The surviving girls who are still hanging will still shame her and call her Serdita, which means piggy. She turns the gun on them, but oh. She didn't kill them. She just used her crack shot hunting abilities to sever the ropes at the wrists, freeing them. Uh, she walks away in a post-traumatic haze, sweaty and blood-soaked. She makes it to the road and is picked up by Pedro, who is able to barely cling to decency like his torn shirt clings to his weary frame. They drive to town for help. The end. As this film finished, I sat in front of the credits staring at it, and Alicia, who had made her feelings clear, movie at this point she didn't like it i was watching these credits and the only thing i said was i did not like this film yeah it's not a fun <laughs> horror movie no it's not fun like it's upsetting like it's an actively upsetting film like this is a movie where nobody is a good person and everyone makes the wrong choices throughout the film yeah michael like, where did you land on this one I mean, I enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy this kind of movie. It certainly was watchable, like relatable, and also just like very well made. Like it's, it's very well made. Yeah, totally. It's totally. almost a giallo in like a weird way. Like this weird hybrid of like slasher giallo movie, which I found fascinating because I don't like giallo movies for the stuff that makes them giallo. I like giallo for like the weird country life aspects of some giallo yeah. movies yeah, the only one um, that like don't out- torture a duckling like this gave me a lot of don't torture a duckling vibes so like i thought that only- was like pretty interesting yeah the only one that came out of this movie looking good was i guess the spanish countryside that looked like a yeah. really that was like a really nice town to like spend a summer in yeah this the center of this movie gets really fucking hamlet like she just spends a lot of this movie like not knowing what to do and contemplating what to do, you know, except if Hamlet's mom just talks shit constantly because her mom is the fucking worst. Um, yeah. Oh, my God, I, the mother. I will Holy say, shit. I will say the one thing I will say for the mom, and I said this during watching it, was when uh, the mom of one of the kidnapped girls starts harassing her in the street. The mom is ready to throw fucking hands. He's mm-hmm. ready to go. Also, when uh, she finds yeah. the bloody towel and she's just like, you fucking clean this shit up. Yeah. Like she, she's interesting because she is like the worst as a mom toward Sarah. 
but also is like hyper protective. Luckily, my mom is not like this, but I know people with moms who are just like the fucking worst. But if anyone, but they're the fucking worst to their kid because only they can be the fucking worst to their kid. Yeah. If anyone else tries to mess with their kid, they will take them down. And I thought well, that was was an interesting way to handle that character. It's like a big brother in a mafia movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. No. She'll, she'll ruin your day and your life, but God forbid somebody else says shit to you. Yeah. It's well, big, I mean, nobody ruins my family's life but me and maybe the girl. Yeah. The, the mom's whole dynamic, I mean, she's in charge and she's definitely... That she's definitely not even uh, and packed. He, he didn't need to get packed. He, he was death. Like, he didn't need to get pecked to learn. He was there from day one. He is hen checked out. He is yes. uh, yeah, yeah. checked yes. out dad. That's what he is, yes. He is just the substrate in that hen house. He's not but, like, yeah, like meek. He's fucking disassociating. Yeah. I feel like there's a certain element of psycho to the mom as well. And the fact that she's like, you know, she's ready for violence. But she's also like, she's so, she's so horrible to her daughter. And dismissive. And Alicia and I were talking about this line afterwards. The one that got me is stop hiccuping. You look like an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. What the fuck? Mom. Such a, (laughs) such a, she can't do anything to win. Yeah. And there's also these scenes where she's trying to like sneak around the house and shit. And the mom is always catching her. Like there's no, there's no like tension at this point. When she's like trying to sneak around, it's like always mom just like looks at her and is like, what the fuck are you doing? She like can't keep any secrets. Like the mom knows about her going to the pool every day. Yeah. Like the mom probably knows about the secret food stash. Like Sarah is given no privacy and no room on her own. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things about Does the she movie. even have a door. Like she doesn't have a door. It's she just like a beaded thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's if that's because she doesn't have a door or is that it's too fucking hot to close the door i don't know because that's hot there yeah i don't know if it's a spam yeah. thing or what yeah but i do think it it adds to this feeling of like she has like she is always being watched by her mom yeah and that's a that's a big element of the movie is that sarah is just constantly traumatized like this movie is watching her be constantly traumatized and that's on top of the trauma of just being bullied constantly. And, and, you know, I don't think that this is like this. This is not the peak moment of the bullying, I you know, in her life. I just feel like this is everyday shit. Oh, um, when the mom just as casually as can be, just going to be like, oh, yeah, that vicious dog scares the shit out of her every day. Whatevs. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I think like there's the those tons of little just like microaggressions, like when she's at the like the the little corner shop and she's contemplating buying like the they're like hostess, like the snowballs, like whatever the oh, even the snowballs are. Even the the clerk is like, are you sure you want to buy that? Yeah, even the clerk is like, I would rather fat shame you than make money. That was the point where I was most on the serial killer side when he comes along behind her and buys those cakes yeah. anyway and then gives me her later which like i don't know i'm i'm sort of divided on some of the stuff in this because like i you know i i was always a fat kid like i am familiar with a lot of this like shame and torment and bullying and stuff i think it is possible like and this movie does project a case in which she is fat and it is not 
a moral failing on her part um because yeah. like her her family eats in a way that like you know she's she, they don't eat healthy they're both larger people too like it makes sense that she's heavy and then they feel the need to the like you know shame closet or shame chest of hidden food in her room as well which i was like i don't i don't think we need that like i don't need this yeah, to be the whale i didn't need the whale to be the whale like people can be fat without it being like something they're trying to do like I, i've been there man and i know like hiding food and, and like sneaking it is a thing but also like her parents at the beginning of the movie are not such that she needs to so that then doesn't really make sense in context you know it does get to a point later on where she like she tells her mom that she's upset about the kids calling her piggy and her mom takes it as a sign of like the fact that she is upset about being tormented about being fat the mom takes as an assault on her from the yeah. kid and that they're like such, well you no, want to be was... upset about being told you're fat here eat nothing but lettuce for dinner it's like there is Fuck fucking lady there's some real narcissistic parenting going on here with the mother yeah especially in that oh you being bullied and traumatized but you did it in a way that makes it look bad on me yeah which i mean one thing i do appreciate about this movie i want to say though is it did increase my spanish vocabulary a little in that i now know that yolo is the Spanish word for YOLO. I mean, did not realize YOLO had made it to Spain and very apologetic to Europe for that. At I'm least not sure Maka, it makes sense as an abbreviation. In it doesn't, and, but it's yeah. not subtitles. They clearly say out loud YOLO. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Uh, the internet is powerful. It's a so, loan word. It's an official loan word. I have to admit, I watched the dub because I have a thing where like, if there's a dub, I'll watch the dub. Unless it's an atrocious dub. And this was not a great dub, but it wasn't the worst dub. There is, there's one I only watch a dub if it's atrocious. I Yeah, I guess it's kind of, there's like, either like, well, you got to watch it if it's like the worst ever. But there is a bit during like, uh, I think when the cops are confronting her and the mom or like taking away and there's like the crowd or whatever. And like, she says something about how they call her piggy and whatnot. There is, and I don't know if this is in if this is just from the dub or how this is done in the translation with subtitles, but there is one of the women in the crowd says, you know, she actually is quite fat. Oh yeah. yeah, Okay. That the way the voice actor who does the dub delivers that line cracked me up. I just started laughing because it was amazing. Like it was like a Simpsons voice. It was, it was great. (laughs) So, you know, actually she is quite fat. Speaking of the police in this movie, well, thank you for clarifying. I mean, the, the two cops in this movie, we've got a CW actor and Spanish Jean Renault. And I think one of the weirdest, most throwaway details of this movie is that they're father and son. Yeah. They're father and son police partners. Well, it doesn't, I mean, that makes a little bit of sense to me as a small, a small, small town. town yeah. yeah. But it, it cracked. That's one of the things I kind of liked It cracked about me it. up. But yeah. the, like the, the cops are like, they do nothing. Yeah. Like they could be cut out of this movie other than like helping the other parents find the kids in the woods. 
like yeah. the they dog never plays a part. They yeah, they drive around looking for a bull, which nothing pays off with the cops. Not the dog, not like their relationship, nothing. And that is like I don't know if that's brilliant screenwriting or <laughs> terrible screenwriting because that because. That it's just they're a funny red herring, and I and I did enjoy that. Isn't like their last line being like, "This isn't over yet," and then they just never appear again. It never yeah. appear again. Yeah, amazing, uh, yeah, incredible. I, I, I thought it was a no, bizarre no, choice to have like the the teen twenty something son be like the the dogged angry cop that wants to keep badgering her for questions after the mom says it's over, and the dad's like. It's fine. Just let her go. Just let it go, son. Well, my favorite moment with the cops is when the son cop is like, yeah, the hashtag cyberbullying you. I saw it. (laughs) No big deal. I kind of, I kind of cyberbullied you too a little bit to be in TV. I like that post, you know. Yeah. Look, did I retweet? Look, did I reshare? And of course I did. But, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. um... I'm aware that you're being cyberbullied. I've seen it. It was pretty funny. I left an emo- <laughs> I left a I left a laugh emoji. God. To the mom too. I shared God. it with my coworkers slash dad. And it wasn't until then that <laughs> the mom is like, actually we want a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Which I love that they're like fucking TV and movies, because I have to wonder, like, is that even a part of the Spanish legal justice system or is the mom just watching like fucking the law and order imports? Well, obviously, nobody in this town is watching uh, any sort of procedural because, like, the fucking crime scenes are just being trod on and spit on and, like, everybody's, like, taking fucking selfies on them. Like, you know, I understand in a small town something happens and everybody's doing, like, it, it disaster tourism, you know. A thought- town which seems to conceive into, like, just one street. Yeah, it's just one street people walk back and forth along and everyone can see you and yeah. gossip about you. And there's a pool, which is and the pool looks like an aqueduct. Like, yeah, like, it's is like this a pool. I, I think I it guess. is a devoted swimming area. Like, I think it's there's some some natural water when, going on. You know, when she says I went to the river and they're like, you lied. I'm like, fucking did she? That, that looked pretty fucking rivery. Yeah. I mean, I know the- that there was a river. The logistics are a little weird, like of when he killed the waitress and the lifeguard. Like, when when did he do that? When did he I have guess, time to tie I up the lifeguard he... and, and just like drop him in the water? Because he's like still there and everyone is still kind of around because the mean girls are like, no, the, so there's just coming by. I think it's supposed to be that he had just killed the lifeguard and was now just going for a swim because like, it's hard to make out, but I think there's a scene early on where you see Sarah swim past like a dead body oh, right. yes. on, on a rock. She is swimming, and yeah, to be fair, we see can see him when she gets there. He pops up from under the water as she's getting in. So maybe he was in the process of you know leaving leaving the lifeguard dead under the water. Yeah, yeah. we went from a very crowded swim area to like nobody, and you know Sarah goes in and goes to swim. It's a, but the but the mean girls are still like nearby, so it's like yeah. I just I'm trying to figure out what the timeline is and I where think, everybody went. I think that's their bully senses the next were just day. tingling, so they went back to the pool. That could, that's that's a real thing. So I, I believe that could happen. Yeah, well, no, it has to be the same day because they were being like we were supposed to go to the festival that night, and they never showed up. Yeah, well, I think this killer is just really quick. 
and also people in the town don't give a shit until like it's a it's a to do thing goddamn rpg size town it is like, this is the town you can go like this is literally the town you find like the same amount of people and geography is like a 16-bit rpg i mean this is a this small town like this exists like fully you know yes and- but i like the idea that people can just barge into each other's like homes because no one ever closes the door yeah i mean yeah. just walk in you start smashing pots looking well, yeah, for hearts this right I was gonna say, go next door, talk to Professor Oak, get you a Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. No, this guy probably could have uh, gotten everybody in the town. Like he got a lot of people in that town. He was mm-hmm. real quick. I also yeah. think he did in not see case, any procedurals. Your starters are knife, gun, and neck bite. Choose yeah. wisely. Yeah, <laughs> don't let the killer get the gun. Uh, neck um, bite evolved into Vampirzard. I wish. That there was more with her and the gun. Like, because they, they mentioned at the very beginning that she was a crack shot or like she shot a rabbit. Yeah, that she regularly yeah. goes hunting with her dad. Yeah, I thought Until that you didn't... mentioned it in the recap, I I did not make that connection between her hunting and being able to. I just thought, I you know, it's the end of the See, movie. I felt She's like they belabored it. Like, early on, they were like, here's a yeah. picture of her hunting. Here's the dad saying she shot rabbits. And then, like, Fucking an hour and a half later, there's a gun. I was like, oh, God, finally. Paid yeah. that off. I, so there's a couple of things that I want to ask at the forum. All right. One, do you think that the bullies should have been shot? I think the bullies, I think they had, even by horror movie standards, they had gotten their comeuppance with the kidnapping slash down a hand for Claudia. Yeah, technically Claudia didn't do any bullying. Claudia was just no Claudia her no, friend that is, and didn't no, do anything no, about it. No, that is not true. Claudia stole her fucking towel and she helped did. with the attempted drowning. Yeah, yeah, she did. She didn't. She just did because she, she with the attempted drowning, it. she just stand there and do nothing because no, she, she eventually nothing she, for a while, but then eventually she started like joining in at the end. Yeah, the fact that she stole the towel, I was like. It maybe if Maka was still alive, I'd be like a little bit more like, but I think since Maka kind of bit it, like I I'm okay with them just being traumatized and maimed. Rosie has her own issues. I mean, even the mom when she says who's bullying her, later refers to them as you know, she just calls the other girls by their names, and then is like, and and Rosie, that slut. I was like, oh, oh yeah, jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot going on. This, a this whole town hateful. is so fucking bitchy. Yeah. This is the meanest, most toxic fucking town I've ever seen. That's why I was thinking, like, I was thinking that the, the kill rate was going to be higher or there was going to be a little bit more vengeance. Like, I, I wasn't sure where they were going to go with it. I'm glad that they went where they did. because The, it, the killer definitely could have done more damage if his hand-to-hand strategy wasn't swing your hands wildly like a shaved bear i mean i think that guy was a shaved bear so I think yeah it, it, it like he was sense. just like he wasn't punching or even hitting people so much as he was just like mauling people with his like with his open hand yeah he fully went after the the dad like he was the the chimpanzee from get out or not get out chimpanzee from Us. up no 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 
Uh, it has to be one of the look. Event one of these one word titles has to be a Jordan Peele yeah, movie. Yeah, I was like, it's a, it's one word. It has a P in it. It's not up. Up is the one. It's a very different movie. But yeah, no, like he fully went like full crazed chip on that guy, and it's not Jordan even that peels up. Dragon peels up. That's what that's what nope is. You're welcome. Damn, is it too late to change the title of our? I nope did not say thank our... you. Is it too late to change the title <laughs> of our nope episode? Gravity. Yes. All right. So also, one thing I want to highlight. You can uh, call this episode that, George Peels Up. The song Sarah is listening to on her pink iPod or pink iPhone fucking slaps. That song goes so hard, and I love it. And I looked it up. So if you want to listen to it, it is called Night of the Living Dead by Agoraphobia. That's awesome. I, you know, I would too. listen to that or a song called Agoraphobia by the Night of the Living Dead. And really, either way. Perfect yeah, great world. names. Great names all around. Yeah. Uh, to get that back to the idea of, like, should she have killed the remaining bullies? Yes. I guess it depends on, like, if, like, what you want the the message of the movie to be. God, what like, is the message of this movie? Don't do this. Yeah, it's... Don't treat people shitty. They might... Because, yeah, don't treat people shitty. I think it's just, They like, might be the, the only one message. that can save you with their crack shot shooting skills from yeah. the killer that has a crush on them. Yeah. And her neck biting skills, which yeah. I think I think that's kind of that's something to explore. That like, like she bites, ingests, she eats like the killer. So the, the, you know that that's definitely on purpose. And then and then also to look at the end when like her walking away and she gets picked up by the boyfriend. Like I know they are riding back toward town, but I I guess it's I think it's open to whether or not they actually stay in that town, like both of them. Like, yeah. of course, like he sells her out, but he sells her out due to his own like issues with the town and his family. And we don't also, know where he's she going. Was, she was not going to fucking say a thing at that point. Yeah, time, like, I absolutely. I, yeah, I don't know what throw. she is. She was absolutely going to like, she was absolutely going to throw Pedro under the bus. So I don't really blame Pedro for throwing her under the bus first. I mean, I do. But yeah, I'm, like I am everybody them for don't themselves. stop leaving the fuck out of there. So like I think that they're they're kind of even at this point, especially after Pedro gets his like gets beaten by his dad, which is fucked up. But I don't think she really knew about that either. Oh god, yeah, that's right. He mentions his dad is like a bad dude, and then he shows up at the end of the movie with a fucking arm in a cast. Yeah. And he has That's his, so his, fucking dark. Yeah, no, and he has a bruise. Like what so when they're coming back from the, the police station. They're walking back from the police station. Pedro's dad pulls up to them in his car and he says, are you guys good? Do you need a ride? And mom is like, no, she's on her period. She just bleed all over your seat, which I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then mom's the worst. Mom, oh, yeah. that mom. And then you see Pedro in the passenger seat. He's got a big old black eye. So, mm. yeah, like there's, he didn't even just, wait until they left the police station. Yeah. He so, did it in the lobby. They were, the police gave him a high five. May, maybe. I mean, who knows in this town? But like, that's, I mean, I'm glad that they didn't, I'm glad that they let, they left off the movie where they did. And I will say that I was expecting some more vengeance from the, the title card of the movie that was on Hulu, where it was where I, right? I was that definitely ab- implies like oh, that she was, goes on a killing spree. Oh, right. Yeah. right. I was absolutely expre- expecting like sissy style. We're following the killer, the protagonist killer. I was hoping that she was gonna like hunt down the uh, the killer guy and like 
And then we would have the same kind of moment at a, at a fr- like with her friends. But she's just like, okay, I fucked the situation up. And now I'm just going to go into like, I'm going to take my agency back and kill this guy and like hunt him. And I don't, I didn't, I wasn't as, I wasn't as into what happened where, you know, she didn't have a lot of agency. She was, she was dragged to his murder mansion to become his well, murder. You, 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 you didn't like when she used the stuffed monkey to masturbate to the serial killer? No. Was, was that not a crowd pleaser for you? No. Now, I will say this. This is a very upsetting movie, y'all. Yeah. Very I, upsetting. This, this character, the, the killer is not called Jeff the Killer. He should be, though. I like that name. Well, Jess the Killer is a, pasta, is a creepypasta character that, much like Slenderman, is the the subject of many very few fanfics where Jeff the Killer shows up and kills family and then they go on a killing spree together and they're in love, which is Thank sort you, of- natural born killers. Yeah, it's a very natural born killers. And I'm- That is a very specific teenage girl fantasy. I don't know if it's that specific. Well, one of my thoughts with this movie is- Granted, most of the movie is Sarah, like, making the horrible decision of not telling anybody about what's going on and just lying. But in the initial moment of she sees this kidnapping going on, Claudia's begging for help, and she just stands there and lets it go and lets them drive away. What was she supposed to do in that scenario? That's just what I'm saying, too. Like, that is, she's she is so fucking scared. And she has been like walking home barefoot on this hot ass pavement with like her, barely her bikini on. She has been being sexually assaulted, robbed, mm-hmm. chased, and the sexually assaulted and in the she last like pees hour. herself in front of she the. She pees herself. Yep. The yeah, dude yeah, yeah. That, that point too, which I was like, I've, I've really seen enough movies where women pee themselves in fright in front of a serial killer. As, you know, not that she didn't have enough horrible shit happening to her already. They had to go ahead yeah. and throw that one on the fire. You know, There's like, a lot of like, excessive stuff going on in this movie, I thought. Like, she needs so much therapy for this day alone before she even stumbles on the kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that's a, and yeah, that's like a, a, a big point for me because, like, she does make a lot of bad decisions. And she's very confused. Like the only person that's ever shown her any real empathy that she feels or like any sort of attraction is this fucking serial killer that she's terrified of. Now, you know, also when you are a teenager and you sometimes are into the dudes and sometimes you're like edgy, you know, like there's, but it's not always something that you're really aware of how problematic it is. You know, and sometimes it's not real. Like, you know, it's not real. Like, it was the Jeff the Killer kid shit. Like, a lot of people know it's not real unless, you know, they're the girls well, that killed people in a first Slender Man. What I but did find a, is an extreme outlier. What I did find very effective was this movie's depiction of Sarah as somebody who is just in like a fucking goddamn hurricane earthquake of puberty and like, and hormones yeah. and absolutely overwhelming emotions. And I do think the movie made an interesting choice with its Jeff the Killer in that it chose someone who is like very like very strong and powerful looking, but also they took the time to like make sure he had a very pronounced like gut and belly. And yeah. it's very interesting that in said that like, you know, you could to try to psychoanalyze it, you know, like in her sexualizing him. It's almost her seeing the attributes that she's 
been taught to hate about herself, but recontextualizing them as like in a sexy and powerful. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Or just like yeah. like the attraction. I don't know. That to me, I just, I noticed that and I wondered if that part of it was just like, you know, if through being attracted to him led to a measure of body acceptance for herself. I feel like they were so different, like in terms of how the like the characters were different enough in age and stuff. I mean, that is that is something. I mean, look, it, it's, it is also a crazy fucking it is romance <laughs> between a serial killer and an underage teenage girl. Like, yeah, it's fucked up, and I didn't like watching it, but it's what the movie gave me, so I'm working with what I got. Yeah, it I, does bear analysis. You are correct in that. I feel very similar about like a lot of the movie because I I don't know if I have just read too many comic books and watched too much My Little Pony, but I just I, I wanted a moment of like self realization, like choosing at some point in this movie, and even like as she is at the end, like choosing to save these people rather than go with the serial killer. It's still like she's crying and upset about the choice that she's making. She's still yeah. like not happy with the one choice that she does make in the film. And there's, there's no moment where she is like really victorious, right? Like where she's yeah. won or at least chosen to do something. And like, you know, even if she were going out in a blaze of glory, you know, at least it would be like, something that you you have like a rah-rah moment for this movie denies you that you cannot have a rah-rah moment i i do not everything is sad and horrifying i do not come out of this movie feeling like she is going to be okay in the long run yeah no yeah this is a real requiem for a dream kind of not well not quite that bad requiem for a dream ended with like a really big fuck you i mean they still both movies end with a character losing a losing an arm that's that's true that's true. Spoilers. Theoretically, I'm for a dream. I mean, he lost a whole arm. She just lost a hand. But, you know, who knows with all of that? There's probably not sanitary. That's, that's also a horrifying wound. Like, the way that's... that they do that. The way that, oh, like, like, like the, the she bone gets shot is so off screen. And you don't out. know exactly what, what's happened until, like, the blood is dripping. And then it pans back up to just her, her arm just split at the wrist. And I was like, oh. oh now, that was really well done. Oh. It's oh, quite, it is quite like in men, Ooh. which we yeah. talked about recently, where the, the like, hand and arm is just split open. Yeah, it's less like, fantastical. I mean, there's the there's part of it in men that is not fantastical, but it's like the the way that they have like the the bracelet fall and like the beads of the bracelet fall, and then they're are followed by blood and Martha was, Wayne. Yeah, it was it was wow. Yeah. <laughs> Where I, Martha Wayne's pearls fell and then her blood. And then she was like, yes. <laughs> and then she screamed because she only got shot in the hand. But uh, no, that was also the moment where I'm like, oh, Claudia surviving this. Because again, in this fucked up horror world where life has no value and all sins are meted out in like horrific physical like punishment. I'm like, Okay, for your, I feel like lose, getting kidnapped and tortured and losing a hand, that that fits your crimes of participating in bullying slash attempted drowning. Like, yeah, this I I would now feel bad if you died. But and then she and she and Rossi were like, or Rossi, Rossi was like still calling her picky after saving her. 
I was, and like, you know, and Sarah just turns around, whips around and shoots. Like, my reaction there was like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Yeah. That's just a, you're just too dumb to live moment, but I, I guess it worked out for you. And, you know, I mean, that's good good for Sarah. Like, honestly, I'm glad that, that she made the decisions. She made a good decision. Well, it was part of a good decision. I don't think it was a fully good I don't know if she went for help. She didn't tell Pedro, like, oh, by the way, they're uh, over there and bleeding to death. Yeah. See, that's yeah. why my my head cannon is the two of them just left. Fucking left town. Yeah. Claudia she, will she die without medical anything. attention. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's There's so much research that I've done about, like, trauma victims and trauma response and things like that, that with Sarah, I'm just like, well, yeah, that's how it is. You know, this movie does a really good job of showing things through her perspective. So, you know, we have a limited, our understanding of these other characters is so limited that it's hard to be objective at times. And, you know, there, there is a, sort of an objective truth going through it, but it's really, really hard to navigate through all of the trauma and everything that she's dealing with. Because from the start, she is struggling. Another important, but not as important, content warning, math homework. The first scene, though, she's looking at the, like, Instagram post of the girl taunting her, and then she accidentally likes it. Like, she accidentally clicks it. I was like, oh, my oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that hurt my heart. Like, I felt it. Felt it happen. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. No. Yeah. And, like, you see her, how she's kind of, all she can really do with her life is observe and, like, pick at this wound of this, like, social media bullying without any way at this, at this moment deal with it yeah, um we're definitely given the indication that claudia was like the only person who was her friend that she mm -hmm. got along with and claudia has joined the mean girl cadre sort of reluctantly joining them and picking on her at least not doing anything about it yeah and she that yeah that maka sucks. is definitely the ringleader which is why yeah it's easier letting having the other two survive when maka just fucking bites it yeah I mean, but Claudia's uh, inaction is, I think, just as bad. I think we can all agree that inaction of that kind is, you know, I mean, yeah. you're, she's still a teenager, so mm -hmm. that's another thing. So, you know, there's certain things get think straight. With well, there's that moment where on. Claudia realizes that Sarah has not brought the police or anyone else to help and realizes that Sarah didn't even tell anyone they'd been kidnapped and is just yelling why, just screaming like, Sarah, why? And I just started to be like, you fucking tried to drown her. Yeah. You know why on some yeah, level. Like, you know why, Claudia. Yeah. You know why? Yeah, like, you know why. You you had this one coming. So, guys, so listeners, if you're ever in a desperate situation and your hero is somebody that you said something mean to at one point, wait until after the, you know, transaction has occurred to bring that shit up, you know? Or just say sorry. Yeah, yeah just, open, open with sorry. sorry. Yeah. Now, if they're a shithead, it's different. But in this situation, when, you know, if you're somebody who's who has bullied somebody, even if it was like long in the past and you see that that glint of doubt. And I know it's hard because you're going to be in, you know, you're going to be traumatized. You're going to have tunnel vision, blah, blah, blah. Especially if you're tied up, you don't have much options anyway. So just look in that. Look in his eyeballs. Look right there and say, hey, thank you for saving my life. Sorry if I've ever been a shithead. Even if somebody I was nice to, somebody like a, my best friend and they saved my life, I'd be like, 
I'm sorry I was ever a shithead to you if I ever was, because now I owe you my life. And all the know. conversations that way. <laughs> hey, been a while. I haven't seen you in a month or two. Sorry if I was ever a shithead to you. Yeah, I, I guess that, that leads to very... start opening up this podcast. Hey, hey there, Ben Con here. Sorry, sorry if I've been a shithead. So I guess here's a complicated question. Do we feel like this movie is feminist? I'm gonna say Yes, I mean, you have the sheer amount of women both in front of and behind the camera and the focus, like, and again, this is a fucked up mess of woman, but this is very centered on, you know, a teenage girl and all the overwhelming emotions that she's coming through. Like, I'm going to say, like, this is very centered on the woman's point of view and experience. Yes. And of course, we have our women's wrongs caveat, support women's wrongs. Oh, my God. So many women's wrongs. Um, But, you know, we do have I do appreciate the fact that we do see we leave um, that stuffed monkey alone, Sarah. Yeah. Like that monkey out of your shame. We're seeing Sarah at her most vulnerable, like constantly. But she still comes around in which she's like. This is very, like, a lot of this reminds me of Yellow Jackets, where, like, under a certain amount of pressure, a teenage girl will go for the throat, like, literally. And I find that highly satisfying. Just seeing, like, a a bullied teenage girl go feral and, like, bite the jugular out of a serial killer. Like, I find that a beautiful distilled image. You know, I don't know if it was, I didn't know if we needed all of, like, the, the, her pissing herself the the strength duration the you know all of that like to really hit home the fact that she's having a bad time but i think that we're you know the the honesty is brutal and that i think is feminist you got any thoughts on that one yeah it's one of those things like if you look at like kind of evaluate on a kind of behind the scenes like is it a feminist film and then is it a feminist message within the film yes to the first and yes to the second like so so yeah i I think there's i don't know i i have the only the only real problem i have with any of this is is sort of like how it deals with obesity and her being fat like i think there's a certain amount of the movie that like it has to focus on that we have to talk about that it's important to i mean that is the story in a lot of ways but i do think it also like goes out of its way to paint her unflatteringly in some ways and to you know do stuff like the you know the hidden stash of food and, and things that like you know i feel like if you're portraying something like bulimia like a hidden stash of food makes sense if you're like this character aside from like the you know the woman at the corner store like nobody nobody stops her from getting food she doesn't have to hide food her parents also eat i mean her parents eat poorly they eat a lot of meat they eat a lot of like bad for you food on top of whatever you know candy and junk and everything there is so like there's a certain amount of it that feels like the person writing and directing it doesn't doesn't know like doesn't know what it's like to be fat hasn't had those experiences in the the same way that you know people have called the whale out for this in the same way that like Hire banks running around town in a fat suit for a day isn't actually learning what it's like to be fat. Like, yeah. you know, it, it feels like that in some ways to me. So, like, that doesn't land entirely. I don't know if that necessarily counts as a question of 
being feminist or more of a physical disability and mental health kind of thing. But I think it misses the mark a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if this is the case where like it trying to hit the mark is some some excuse for it. Unfortunately, if the movie where like as much dialogue as there is, not a lot is said in this movie. It goes out of its way not to tell you what conclusions to draw. Sarah actually says very little in the movie, and the killer says even less. The the people who do most of the talking are like the mom and the bullies and stuff like that. So and like cop. yeah, it yeah. It is in a very European way, I think, determined not to tell you what to take away from this movie <laughs> and not to not determined not to tell you what anybody is thinking at any time, which is, is sort of frustrating in a movie where, like, like I said, there is no like, aha, light bulb, exciting, rah, rah kind of moment to like pin those feelings on. I don't know. I, I, that's, that's the thing I know a lot of people value that sort of thing in a film i just found it very frustrating in this particular film yeah Mm. i want to jump back to the to the food hiding thing because here's why i think it works in this because often the like hiding of food isn't necessarily about having access or free access it's about having control and sarah has no control at all yeah yeah so a lot is so it is so it's more that I think she hides the food because she can control when she accesses it in a household that although like everyone in her life, like also it's like shit, they all have opinions about it. And she doesn't need to hear like her mom being like, what are you eating? Like her mom might be like, okay, like, yeah, there's cookies in the house. Have, have the cookies, but I'm going to like comment on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, it's like that. Scene, so having that stash lets her go into her private space and be I like, mean, the scene, I just want um, to fucking eat a cookie and not hear about it. Yeah. So yeah, I think like, that, that's where it works is, is part of the aspect of Sarah not having any real control over her life. The scene immediately before that is the mom just barges in on Sarah taking a shower and not like, oh, shit, I'm sorry, but just being like, yep, I'm here. Yep, you're taking a shower. Well, I'm here just barking orders at you. I don't give a shit. Like what you've got going on. Like yeah. not even when you're showering can you have any privacy or control. I also love how the Sin mom just busting up in there. <laughs> doesn't care what's going on. Just we're walked right into the room. Yeah, I, I think it's I think that's a completely valid point, Michael. I, I think it, it does make sense in that context. I do just I, I think as somebody that I feel like I've seen movies try to tackle this, I would just like to see a movie where like we don't necessarily have all of the symptoms, right? Like we don't yeah. have the the person who is fat doesn't make every possible wrong health choice and doesn't also have a you know hidden thing of food. And yeah, it like yeah. you know, something where and I don't think this movie quite gets to that point, but a lot of movies kind of a lot of media period sort of hold people being overweight as like a moral failing and yeah. There are plenty of people who are overweight that like don't hide food and aren't constantly eating and, you know, just have different, different lives, different metabolisms. You know, the, the food isn't necessarily the driving force of their whole life. And, uh, you know, this, this movie very much is from, you know, the, the fact that her dad is a butcher. She lives in a house above a butcher shop. She eats food constantly, you know, throughout the film, the food is very central. It'd be nice to occasionally 
have films with bad people in them where the food is not like at the center of everything all the time. Yeah, it's not about them eating. Like there's not a connection that is explicit of like they're fat and they also like to eat. Like, because it's not as connected as people think it is. And I forget. Yeah. Uh, when I was doing the last, my last rewatch, I had forgotten just how many fat jokes there were at Hurley's expense. And then that article about Damon Lindelof came out. I am not familiar with that particular. Let's just say making Lost was a pretty not great time for a lot of people of marginalized identities. Uh, ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, hear do, that. do any of you think that the way that Sarah was presented in all of her vulnerability, whether it be like during the trauma and everything, do you think that any of thing, any of that was exploitative? Like, do you think that she was sexualized? I don't uh, walk in a line, man. It's yeah. There's a it, lot yeah, of we we talk about those those shots in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where they choose to shoot right behind the girl's ass to show you something completely different, and there's like. Almost all the shots of Sarah are at like back height. So like you're, you know, they're especially when she's walking home with her bathing suit on, like they make a big point of keeping her oh, whole yeah. body in the frame all the time. So you're, you know, seeing her being uncomfortable. I mean, in that scene, there's when she's being chased by the guys in the car. At one point, she unties and takes off her bikini top and then ties it back on and i still don't know what the fuck that was that was one of them took they, they untied the top of the bikini like that's a thing that dudes do yeah when we guys picked her up they, they i hadn't seen that i thought she like i thought she like untied it herself no she they had okay. untied it i thought at one point it, it broke and so she was like trying to like fix it but i could be misremembering that it, maybe. that makes more sense yeah, I mean, also, I, like, I just assumed because she was assaulted that they untied her bikini. Cause, mm-hmm. Also, uh, this is completely this is completely unrelated because it's, you know, realistic for the story. But it, it then makes me irritated that it's so fun, so difficult for people of any sort of size to find swimwear in their, their size. Especially I mean, women. Any kind yeah. of, like, supportive or helpful swimwear at all. Because, yeah, I mean, that, that bathing suit does not fit her. It is, is, you know, clear that she has no no kind of support in it it's unfortunately what she would be what she'd have access to because yeah i mean i don't know if there's something i don't know if exploitative is the right word but just something where it's like i feel like they intentionally like dress her in the least flattering like outfits and looks like or just like they intentionally and i know part of it's like the the class like a class element but i don't know like you just look at like Laura Galan in like any of her like interview outfits or anything like that that she wears like outside this photo and like she's very cute. Yeah, she looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, when she wears clothes that are, like actually fit and like she looks absolutely ama- like amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I talked about this a little bit and about this in the Evil Dead remake, but like horror movies for which like a huge part of the movie especially the horror element of the movie is like constantly doing things that humiliate a woman as horror and not they're like they're not my bag and i get like that's a whole point of what this movie is about but it's just like asking asking somebody to be the amount of upset and uncomfortable i was for an hour and a half in this movie i was just like 
I'm not, this is not fun for me. I'm not enjoying this. And, you know, and I, she, she could murder everybody with a machine gun at the end and it still wouldn't feel like enough payoffs. Yeah, I think it's a yeah. good movie, but it's damn, is it definitely in those in the I never want to see it again, though, category. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. No, I, I think it was well done. And I think it was I think it it was effective at its message. You know, like I, the, I think the message of this movie was like bullying is fucked up and, you know, will really damage a person. And, you know, this is what it's like to be trapped by that kind of abuse. And I think that that's an important message. And I think that that's, you know, you know, it's not like the same kind of rote, like moral that you get in a lot of Western movies where it's very clear. And that, you know, and a lot of like you were saying, Jeremy, in a very European way, it was kind of open ended. But, you know, we're sort of like judging these characters by the negative space because the, what is happening is all just terrible. And it's more about what they don't do to be shitty. And so, yeah, like, but it's not, it's not a pleasant experience. And that's the point, you know, it's not about like redemption so much. It's just the pain that is, that is involved in the process. I could have used like maybe five minutes of her having an okay time that weren't uncomfortable masturbation scenes. That's the only you know, when the she's when she's, she's high okay with time. when she's high with Carlos, like they seem to be like all there's like 30 seconds there before yeah. her mom yeah, shows yeah. up and ruins yeah. everything. Yeah. And I, I was I was gonna ask about this other stuff. I feel like we've talked a lot about class. I think class is very much part of this film, you know, and they don't they don't talk about it, but it's there sort of the whole time. I don't think, and again, not being Spanish, I might not have an ear for some of the things in this but i don't think there's much to say about race there's not really much of anybody who's non-white in this movie the shop owner i believe is asian and yeah you know but her that which we only see her as a shop owner so sort of yeah she's got one line shown of the dead situation yeah and then there's there's not as far as i know as far as i can tell anything in there that it all relates to lgbtqia peoples or themes no nope yeah you want to you don't want to claim this one no this one the straight the straights can have this one you don't want to talk about pedro's shirt his one shirt shirt. the the what well that's oh yeah yeah the the one tank top with like what the holes that went like a foot down yeah yeah his pedro magnet i mean pedro does have a certain pansexual energy to him but it's not not enough to really. Do oh, that boy, with. that boy, a twink. I yeah, like, but yeah, he's, there's he's not... running off to Barcelona in a couple of years, and you know, gonna be a whole different, him. whole different story. Bless him. I hope he finds a really nice boyfriend, and if he's a bear, yeah. but not the murdery one who mauls people. No, that guy's dead. That guy's in Spain. Are they bulls? Bears? I feel like. Depends on where the market is. Yeah. Hey, hey economics. Hey. Yeah. I do appreciate the stocks. The bull in this movie. The, you get the circular thing where you know you know he's gonna you know when they start talking about the missing bull that he's gonna show up at some point and he pops up in, in two different instances at the worst possible times. I mean, almost as as replaceable 
with nothing as the cops. But I like the bull being there because it's a bull and he's got cool horns and it's got a bull bell around his and he doesn't the bull doesn't do anything to anyone. That bull is innocent. The bull is innocent. The only two people in this movie that are that are not like fully traumatized. I mean, the bull gets killed. So there's that. And so does the waitress. Both of them are cute. They have good fashion. They put up with a lot of shit and they're innocent. So Yeah, I, I kept the bull, I kept being like, it's a metaphor for something. I know it's a metaphor for something. I don't know what it's a metaphor for. Because <laughs> like, they, they keep calling him the young bull. And I was like, it's, a, it's something. I don't know. It, it relates back to something. And I, I don't know if it's if it's Sounds like a to, euphemism. Or, well, I guess the only thing to ask then is, guys, do we feel like we would recommend this to somebody? And Michael, would you recommend it to somebody? Yeah, I, I feel like if they asked me, I mean, I feel like I'd recommend it if they asked me for a recommendation that was fairly specific. Yeah. Like if they're like, oh, I want to watch a movie tonight. I'd be like, watch Piggy. I would not be depressed for an hour and a half. But if they're like, oh, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking to try like some, you know, European, like modern European horror. I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, check this out. It's yeah. Good. Oh, boy, do we have a list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Exhale is my answer. Yeah, it's definitely not one. I would. It's, no, it's I, one of those where I'm like, if you would like to write an essay about a movie, or if you're like, I don't see people in movies that are like protagonists that are not like Hollywood plus size, right? You know, I, I, because that's another thing about the the exploitative quality of this movie is that like there's another there's an element of it that is like it's about honesty, but that really does write a line. Michael, I think you nailed it. I, I agree with yeah. you in that recommendation. I, I second. I third even. Yeah, I, I cannot imagine a scenario in which I would recommend this movie to somebody. Like, you know, it, it's not like a thing that, it's not a thing that I would say, like some of the movies we talked about in here, it's not one that I come out be feeling like this movie is morally reprehensible and nobody should watch it. But it is a movie that I was like, I'm never going to watch again. I don't know who I would recommend it to. Unless somebody was like, what's, you know, what's a Spanish horror movie that people seem to like? And you don't, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, it's not, it's well made and it's well acted. But honestly, I, I was like, I just can't imagine ever wanting to watch this movie again. Yeah, um, it's definitely fair. worth the one, you know, the one watch. If you watch it multiple times, I hope you're writing an essay. Yeah. Because I think, you know, it's it certainly would be an interesting subject for further analysis but anyway. my favorite thing about it is that it's 90 minutes long oh i, lo- I love it any longer yeah. it would be I, I would not be able to take it now we talked about we talked about wreck on the last episode rec and that one is a oh. cool 78 minutes oh i love that yeah. 78 minute runtime on wreck yeah so that it's was in it bites you and it gets out. Uh, on that note, do we have any other recommendations for people? Anything people should check out if they liked this or they didn't like this and they're looking for something else to watch? I'm going to say if you watch this movie expecting protagonist kills people and like you follow the killer, I'm going to say go watch Sissy. It might be more what you're looking for. Yeah. I was I don't really hoping have... this was going to turn that Sissy corner at some point. That's a movie I love. Yeah, Sissy is a fun movie. I don't really have a movie, like I was thinking about it, because like a lot of the movies that compare with this movie are really like single watch and we've watched them. Yeah. Unless you want to watch something like Sissy or Ready or Not and really see like a final girl situation that feels satisfying. 
What? You know what you know what I'd recommend? What? Heathers. Yeah. It's oh. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Mm. Yes. So that's I my recommendation is that if you have a scale at home, unless you're trying to build muscle, throw it that shit away. I, I always use mine to weigh my suitcases before I go on the plane. That's oh yeah. It's the main workout my scale gets. Don't don't use the scale. You're fine. Eat what you want unless it's, you're allergic to it. And if if people bully you, you know, cops are kind of a, a rough one. But don't pretty, kill them. Pretty, pretty. Not... Don't you ever like your less. Yeah. We already awesome. talked about that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Throw away your scale. Enjoy your food. I think the movie I wanted to recommend, uh, what I saw last year, it is less the same kind of thing and more of like a, a, a thriller with, you know, a tormented protagonist who isn't maybe then constantly, constantly humiliated. I really enjoyed Watcher, which stars Micah Monroe, who, you know, we saw in It Follows. And it's about a woman who gets married and moves to Hungary with her husband who is Hungarian and he knows the country, knows the language, everything she doesn't. She's American. And she is in, they move into this nice flat in this giant building where they have just these floor to ceiling windows looking across the street at another building full floor to ceiling windows. And it very quickly turns into a situation where she, she thinks somebody is following her. She thinks somebody in the apartment, one of the apartments across the street is stalking her and watching her and, and doing things and she can't prove it. So it's, there's a lot of paranoia. It's really, it's a really taut thriller throughout and I think really well made. And of course, Maika Monroe is amazing. That's definitely one worth checking out. Is everyone hungry in that movie? Or just the Hungarians? They're just hungry. I'm so sorry. They're not hungry. I did, that is how we learned that Food Lion, which is our regional grocery store here, is owned by the same company that owns a whole bunch of other chains of grocery stores, including one in Hungary. And they all use the same symbol. She went in a Hungarian grocery store, and I was like, "She had a food line in Hungary." It's just, it's just the same company. Because I was interesting. Uh, yeah, watching it, I was like, "What the fuck?" All right, well that that wraps it up for this one. There's plenty of stuff for you to go watch. Uh, Michael, can you let people know where they can uh, find out more about what you're up to or find you online? You know, just Google me because I'm shutting down my Twitter. And you can find me on Blue Sky. I forget what my Blue Sky name is. Just by like Michael Tanner, you'll find me. There's not that many people on Blue Sky. You'll find me. Let's see. I shut down my Twitter. I shut down my website. Well, those website fees went up a lot. And so I'm waiting to find it. This is a bad, weird time for me, guys. I'm just saying. Just Google me. Just Google. But not the guy who writes all the books about Nietzsche. And don't look me. Yeah, it's it's we we get all confused for each other a lot. I almost got some work because of that, but it didn't didn't pan out. But yeah, just you know, like, buy some orcs in space, buy some junior braids of the apocalypse. Yeah, just you know. Do you still have those? Do you have those at shows? The the junior braves like merchandise, like the coasters and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, with the water bottles and the like the the zombie bike kits, which are like band aids and like fun zombie stickers and stuff. Yeah, we got like we, we we're pretty good on our swag or swag yeah. game. I highly recommend. I mean, junior braves is great, but also. If you find Mike at a at a convention, they've got really really awesome merch too. Like I still have my, it's it's well loved, but it's be brave. Oh, yeah, 
<laughs> real wood- nice little wooden coaster. Yeah. So be brave, be ready. Well, what about you, Emily? Where can we find you online? Well, I make them off on Twitter and Blue Sky. I'm. I'll be on. I'll probably be on Twitter until it flutters its final attempt at flight. But I'm also on Blue Sky. Come find me. Eventually, they'll have hashtags or something. I'm on Tumblr. Mega Moth on Tumblr and Mega underscore Moth on Instagram. And, you know, MegaMoth.net, MegaMoth, Patreon, etc. And Ben? Uh, yeah. Find me at BenCon Comics on Instagram. BenCon Writes on Blue Sky. Ben the Con, if you're still circling the, the Twitter drain. But definitely BenConComics.com where you can sign up for my upcoming newsletter. And please, please, please pre-order L. Campbell wins their weekend out October 17th. Awesome. Thank you. Welcome. As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, still at jrome58. And on my website at jeremywhitley.com and Blue Sky and uh, Tumblr, I'm just Jeremy Whitley. I've, I've been told it's heresy to go by my actual given name on Tumblr, but there it is. And you can check out... Gaiman does it, so there. I mean... He's Neil Gaiman, right? Do whatever he wants. So you can check out the podcast on Patreon at Progressively Horrified on our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm and on Twitter at Prog Horror Pod. Where we would love to hear from you. And speaking of loving to hear from you, we would love it if you would rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it. You giving us five stars helps the algorithms recommend us to other people. And then those people could possibly listen to this podcast as well. That helps us get new listeners. We can make more stuff, do more fun things. So... You're helping yourself out, really, honestly. And thanks again to Michael for joining us. This was a ball. Thank it you. was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank yeah. you as Thank always. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. And uh, thanks again to all of you for listening. And until next time, stay horrified. <laughs>